kick her out, Honda. Every use person kick me out. It's time to kick her out. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yet. To be honest, like after I did Age of Innocence, this one day where I was just thinking about it, and I was like, "Wait, actually, oh no, this book is kind of genius." Do you want a guy <laughs> like him innocence. now? <laughs> oh no! I mean, it's kind of genius. <laughs> Shen. This is why everyone thinks I'm Can going to be a Let's kick her out. She's weirder than me. <laughs> oh. oh, as this French YouTuber, I watched this. The Invisible Life of Adzila Lu. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty interesting book. Um, It's gotten a lot of good reviews online. Like, everyone that I've... All the booktubers that I've watched have praised this book. What's the genre? Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> what is the genre? Mystery, um, I'm not sure. It's not really a mystery. Neither is it a romance. What is it? So slice of life. Is it a drama? I think it's a drama. Okay, wait. Let me let me tell you the plot of this story, okay? So the plot of this story is there's this um French woman named Eddie LaRue. Mm-hmm. And she's born in like the sixteen hundreds, okay? And what happens is she is um she she's about to be married off to some dude that she doesn't want to marry. And where she lives in her village, they always say, like, don't pray to the gods after dark. So in order to escape this wedding, she sort of prays to a god after dark. Oh. And she gets sort of, like, her prayers answered. So now she's cursed with immortality. But the thing, the catch with her immortality is um, people will never remember her. Oh. So she, yeah, so she's immortal. And she goes through all these years um, with nobody remembering her. So she will meet people. But the moment the person, like, turns away or leaves the room, like, they will forget her. Oh, And then what happens is after, I think, like, 300 years, um, she finally meets somebody who does remember her. Mm. But why? Yeah. Well, the reason why is um, explained in the novel. I can't spoil it. Yeah, but I I got to the part where they finally revealed like why this particular person like remembers her. Is it a good yeah, reveal? Yeah, but it's quite interesting because um <laughs> it's not really a big reveal. I re- well, I didn't see it coming. But did okay, you like okay, it? Okay, wow. Did I like the reveal? Um I wasn't wowed by it. Okay, so the the, the thing that I like about this book is the main character constantly meets with this god that she... This god or the devil or whatever you want to call him. Like, she constantly meets with him. And I find that those interactions, like, very interesting. Because, like, this god or the devil or whatever he is, he's like... He he wants her to give up her soul. Because she, she basically says in her prayer, like, um, when she's, when she's sick of it or whatever, she'll give her soul to him. So he keeps coming in order to mm-hmm. get her soul. And the thing is, um, she hates him for obvious reasons because, you know, he cursed her. Yeah. But the thing is, like, she finds herself constantly waiting for him, wanting for him to come because he's the only one that remembers her. Oh. That is, until many years later, she meets this other dude, this mortal that actually remembers her. And it's not the devil. So I find those interactions interesting. And the book is like beautifully written. Like it's very, the prose is very nice. But the thing is, right, um, I'm not as sucked into it as I thought I was going to be. Uh huh. Oh, okay. So yeah, a lot of people that review this, are, they're like, wow, when you pick it up, you can't put it down. But I literally picked it up. I read it for a bit and then like I put it down and then I didn't pick it up for like, a week. Yeah, it's been a while since and you then bought it, right? I finally did. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I finally like picked it up again like two days ago and then I was reading through and I was just like, <laughs> okay. I think my main issue is the fact that I am not particularly drawn or connected to the main character or the, oh. the dude that remembers. Like, I'm just like, okay. Mm. 
Mm. Like the, the character that I enjoy the most is really that like god or the devil or whatever he is. As expected, to be honest, coming from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like those kind of like characters are interesting because you want to understand like why they are being so cunning. I, I guess because it's it's a personality, the they're cunning or whatever. Whereas the main character, the other guy is just like, okay, um, interesting. Okay, maybe maybe the the remaining like two hundred pages will change my mind, and this will be one of my favorite books of this year. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but if anyone wants like a good book recommendation that is like very easy to read, um, the story is interesting. The characters are like really lovable. Like check out Cemetery Boys. Hold on, let me find out who the author is. Cemetery Boys by... And I remember you mentioning this. Yeah, I... It was on my... To be read for like... A few months. And then I finally decided to just pick it up. Because I was reading a whole bunch of other things. And nothing was like really interesting me. So I finally decided to like... Pick it up and read. Okay, so it's called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Very interesting. So the main... So the author... Is trans... And the main character in Cemetery Boys is also trans. And it's uh, following, like, um, a lot of Mexican sort of uh, culture. Ooh. And, yeah, and it's it's just really interesting because, like, the main character um, wants to do this, like, sort of ritual um, in order to prove that he is, like... Um, Mortal. This sort of, like, spirit thing. Oh. Not really, it's like... How do I explain this? Well, basically, in this little, like, subculture-ish thing, okay? Basically, it's fantastical. It's, it's like, yeah. Um, the the men sort of help to release spirits from the world. So, after you die, um, your spirit lingers. You become a ghost. But if your ghost stays for too long on the earth, you sort of become, like, an evil entity, so what all the men do is they are the ones to release these spirits into the afterlife. Mm. So this is a very male-specific job. The women, the females, what they do is like they have more like healing sort of jobs or whatever. So the main character is trans and he decides to go through this ritual himself in order to get like the power of um the, the, the men who sort of release the spirits. So that's what he wants to do. And and it's very nicely, like, layered because on one hand, it's because, you know, he wants to prove that... I mean, he, he knows that he is a boy. But on the other hand, it's also to prove to his family that he is a boy because they still view him as, you know, his uh, biological sex. And what happens Ooh. is when he does this ritual, it goes wrong and then he meets a ghost and it's just... It's just the relationships written in this story is just very well written and I enjoyed it so much. So if anyone wants to... And it's a very easy read. It's a very, very quick read. It's The, the language is easy. The characters are lovable. So if anyone wants to pick it up, it's Cemetery Boys. It's really good. Mm. Seems interesting. Yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's also, it's also a love story, like a ghost. Uh, story, I'm not but... surprised. <laughs> Sounds like something Chris would like. Yeah, also it has one of my favourite tropes in a story, which is the found family trope. I love found family tropes so much. Why? Like the idea of people... I don't know, it's just the idea of people creating their own family. It's like, not your biological family, but you know, your friends, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. I, I just enjoy found families. You enjoy a lot so of things. So there's that. Okay, now that I... I enjoy a lot of things, but I just rambled on for nine minutes about books. <laughs> so, what about y'all? Do y'all have anything else to say? Hmm. I haven't really been reading. I've just been chilling out and doing nothing with my life. <laughs> yeah, I miss reading a book. Well, it's the end of the year. Right? I mean, there's a lot of books to read. You're just trying to figure out like what kinds of books you like. Mm. I got tired of reading. Like, from... <laughs> like, what kind of books do you read? Really? 
um, I read a lot of books. I like mystery books. Like if I were to read fiction, la, mm. but um, I don't know. I don't really have the time and the energy to kind of read through fiction books right now. Like, because I want to take a break from oh. reading, especially because it's like the holidays. Mm. Like, I love reading, but... I yeah. mean, reading doesn't have to feel like work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess because we're in school. Yes, but I know, think I'm... We associate it with school. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think we should save... I should save the both of you and just jump into the story, okay? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so today, I bring you a story that literally fell into my lap. <laughs> no. Because I was scrolling on Twitter, and I noticed that the Straits Times Twitter account oh tweeted an article about this. And I was like, wow, Wait, is it the recent? stars aligned. Um, It's not a recent case, but the outcome but is there are recent developments. Yes. Is it from Japan? No, it's not. Oh, okay. This is a Jap- Japanese one. What? Yeah. Okay, okay, never mind, never mind. Let's get back. <laughs> All right. So, this is about the murder of Bobby Joe Stinnett. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing her name right. And um, this is a type of case that we've never covered before. So, oh. it, it intrigued me. It's kind of interesting. You... You'll come to know why. So on December 16th, 2004, 23-year-old Bobby Jo Stinnett was at her home in Skidmore, Misery. Mm-hmm. Wow. Skidmore, Misery. She's at her home in Skidmore, Misery, waiting for the arrival of Darlene Fisher, a woman she met online who was coming by to buy... Wow. A woman she met online who was coming by to adopt a red terrier puppy from her. So Bobby Joe and her husband, Zeb, were red terrier dog breeders. And um, they had actually been married for over a year. And Bobby Joe was passionate about dogs. So she was part of an online forum called Ratter Chatter. Oh my god. Where fellow red terrier enthusiasts, 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 Wow, I can't even read my own notes. Bobby is part of an online forum called Ratter Chatter where fellow rat terriers, enthusiasts, enthused about the breed of dogs. So, yeah. Um, in the later part of the year, uh, Bobby was actually referred to by a friend of hers, uh, Jason Dawson, who had received an email by Darlene Fisher. So Darlene was actually looking to adopt the puppy and so Jason referred her to Bobby Soon, the two women began to correspond, setting up the meeting in which Darlene was to come and pick up a puppy. However, this transaction would never come to pass. Mm. On December 16, 2004, at 3.30pm, Bobby's mother came by to see her. What she would find is something of nightmares. So there was blood all over the house and Bobby was on the ground. Here's the thing. Bobby Jo was eight months pregnant mm. and her stomach had been cut open oh, with no signs of the baby anywhere. Oh my God. When Bobby's mother called 911, she described her daughter's body as, as if her stomach had exploded. Yeah. So the police got to work immediately. They went around knocking on the doors of their neighbours, asking if they saw anything. So one of them was like, hmm... Come to think about it, around 2.30pm, I saw this dirty old red car in their driveway. And like this, this, this neighbor was like, yeah, I've never seen this car there before. So immediately, the police also set out an Amber Alert. Um, they put it out for the baby. Aww. But the, the, the problem here is, with most Amber Alerts, right? At least there is a visual to go by yeah. for the missing child. Mm-mm. Yeah, but because this baby had literally been ripped from the womb, right? There was nothing to... Yeah, literally. And, like, there's nothing to go by. They had no eye colour or hair colour or anything to match the description of this newborn other than the fact Mm. that it's a newborn. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, what happened was um, the news released about uh, Bobby's murder and one of Bobby's breeder friends, Diane Sikta, 
actually went on to Rattle Chatter like in hopes that she could find any clues of like who could have possibly hurt her friend. And that's when she came across the message board between Bobby and Darlene. So on December 15th, which is a day before the attack, Bobby actually gave Darlene her address and directions to get to her house. What this means is that Darlene would have been the last person to see Bobby alive, given that she had an appointment with her. The other thing that Diane found like strange was the fact that Darlene's username on the site was called Fisher for Kids. So that's F-I-S-C-H-E-R because her name is Darlene Fisher. Then four, the numerical four, and then kids. Mm. So immediately Diane was like, okay, <laughs> something doesn't feel right over here. Yeah, okay, first of all, <laughs> if you're going to be like creepy online, don't make your username a dead giveaway. Yeah, like, exactly. Like fishing, it sounds like fishing for kids. Yeah. Precisely. It's like being a murderer and your username being wanting to murder or something. <laughs> like, I was going to look at it and be like, yeah, this person obviously did it. Anyway, so Diane was just like, okay, something's up. Something is fishy about <laughs> Okay, creature. Oh my god. god. <laughs> she played this, I promise you. <laughs> no, I didn't. I am just that brilliant to come up with terrible puns on the stop. On the spot. So anyway, so she called the FBI, okay? So she called the FBI and she was like, hey, you might want to check this out. So the FBI began to look through their email correspondence. But the thing is, right, the FBI were unable to find who this Darlene Fisher was. Wow, okay, wow. So, so like, anyone want to guess why they couldn't find who Darlene was? I don't know, because she was dead. <laughs> no. Because Darlene did not exist. Okay. There was no Darlene. What they actually tracked, and because this is 2004, mm. they, I, I guess they didn't have IP addresses yeah. or whatever. So they tracked the modem attached to a telephone line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 2004. And they actually found that um, this actually traced back to the home of Kevin and 36-year-old Lisa Montgomery on South Adams Road in Melbourne, Kansas. Okay. And this is where things take a freaking turn. And honestly, it's like out of a movie. So on December 17th, 2004, so literally a day after the murders, Lisa and Kevin went to a cafe with their newborn, a baby girl named Abigail. Okay. Mm. So Lisa told all her friends that she had gone into labor while she had been shopping in Topeka, Kansas. She was ta- then taken to the birth and women's center in Topeka, where she gave birth to Abigail. And after giving birth, she called her husband, who sped down to pick her up with his teen children. Okay. And in case it isn't obvious by now, but <laughs> Abigail is not her child. Yeah. And the FBI actually figured this out too. So they actually waited outside their house, outside the Montgomery farmhouse. And when a dirty red Toyota oh. Corolla came in, they were like, I, <laughs> it's time to do our jobs. So sure enough, like once Kevin and Lisa exited their vehicle, right? Lisa had a newborn in her arms. And so the agents basically approached them and they began to ask questions about the baby. So Lisa basically told the FBI agents exactly what she told all her friends that, okay, you know, I went to labor while shopping. I gave birth at this whatever birth center and then my husband came to pick me up. But then the FBI were like, ha, caught you. Because they checked with the birth center and... They had no records of Lisa ever being there and ever giving birth there. So knowing that she was caught in a lie, Lisa actually confessed to everything. So this is how Lisa planned the murder of uh, Bobby Joe. So Lisa was also a breeder. She was also a dog show participant and she was a member of Ratter Chatter. The thing with this forum is that members sometimes share bits about their personal lives. So when Bobby announced her pregnancy, yep. Lisa did the same a while later. And 
Lisa actually went on to say that she had conceived twins, but one of them passed away. Mm. And after this, like, because both of them were like supposedly pregnant at the same time, Lisa and Bobby became friends. So they would exchange messages. So they would talk about their pregnancy with each other. They would like discuss baby names and <laughs> even like stuff they wanted to buy for their babies. And in April, they even met at a dog show in Abilene, Kansas. So between the two women, like there wasn't any bad blood. They seemed to be good friends and whatever. But the the thing is, right, even though Lisa had pulled a veil over, like, Bobby's eyes, other members of the forum sort of, like, felt suspicious about her. So the, the, the thing that made them the most suspicious was the fact that Lisa never seemed to gain any weight. So she never gained weight or she and she never looked pregnant. And, I mean, online you can you can sit and guess as much as you want. But these people actually saw her at dog shows. And at these dog shows, like, she didn't seem pregnant. She didn't look pregnant at all. So they they grew suspicious. And, like, this suspicious, this suspicion, like, sort of grew even more because she was reaching her due date and yet she looked the same. So Lisa came up with the plan of posing as Darlene and under the pretense of adopting a puppy from her actually wow. planned on abducting her unborn child. So on the day of their meeting, which is 16 December, Lisa, aka Darlene, came to Bobby's house. Ooh. When Bobby opened the door, she overpowered her, wrapped a rope around Bobby's throat and strangled her from the back until she basically went limp and stopped struggling. She then pushed Bobby's lifeless body onto her back and cut open her womb with a kitchen knife. Oh, no. She took the unborn baby out, wrapped her in a blanket before getting into her car and driving away. Yeah. And the the thing about all of this that makes it like even more creepier is the fact that before all this happened, Lisa actually researched about home births and how to perform C-sections before oh, going wow. to meet Bobby. Yeah. So, the happenings of the case itself is really interesting, but the trial also is pretty... Mm. So, during the trial, Lisa's ex-husband actually testified and he said that, yeah, Lisa c- can't have any children because in, 19- in 1993, she actually had a tubal ligation. So, she actually had to get the surgery done because her last child, the child before the tubal ligation, was born two months premature. Oh. So, the doctor was like, after this, it's going to be high-risk pregnancies. I suggest you mm. tie your tubes. And then, um, the thing is, after these five... I'm sorry. After this procedure, after the tubal ligation, Lisa actually faked her pregnancies five times. Oh, what the hell? She faked five pregnancies. And two, two of these fake pregnancies happened while she was married to the ex-husband. Then her current husband, Kevin Montoc- Montgomery, said that she actually claimed to be pregnant three times while married to him. The first two, she told Kevin that she had to abort the babies because there was something wrong with the fetus. Mm. And then the third pregnancy was Abigail. And the thing with this is every time Lisa told her husband that she was pregnant, he believed her 100%. <laughs> So when she came with that like terrible bogus story of like how she went into labor while shopping and then just <laughs> gave birth and everything, he believed her. He genuinely believed that the child that she had was his daughter. Whoa, what the heck? Oh wow, okay. Yeah. So Lisa's lawyers used insanity. So they used the insanity defense. And growing up, so this is the reason why they use an insanity defense case. So growing up, Lisa was actually subject to physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. She'd been trafficked by her mother. At 11, she'd been sexually assaulted by her stepfather, who would come into her room and threaten to assault her younger sister if she resisted. Um, during her mother's divorce, she even mentioned witnessing like these sexual assaults happen. Mm. 
And her mother was also an alcoholic, which caused Lisa to be born with uh, permanent brain damage. She would punish her children by whipping them and forcing them into cold showers. And um, in this article that I read, she also does something like really terrible with the dog, which I don't want to talk about or get into, but just know that her mother oh, no. was a terrible person. Mm. Yeah. Um, her mother began to traffic her in her early teens and she would be assaulted by men one after another for several hours at a time. Uh. And she would also go to school in like dirty clothes and like no one helped her. Mm. The school administration suspected abuse and stuff and apparently one of her cousins was a law enforcement officer as well but nobody stepped in and nobody helped. And so it gets worse, okay? So the first husband that I mentioned, yeah, um, her first husband is her stepbrother. What? Oh. Yep. Um. Yeah, her first husband is her stepbrother and she was allegedly forced into marrying him. And the marriage is bad because he basically continued to abuse her. And allegedly, mm. the tubal ligation, mm-hmm. it happened against her will as well. Oh, damn. Oh. Yeah. The years of mental torture led her to suffer from pseudosciasis, which is basically a delusional disorder where a woman's body mimics all the signs and symptoms of being pregnant. Oh, wow. Uh... Furthermore, renowned neuroscientist V.D. Ramachandran and William Logan, MD, supported her defense and said that she also suffered from depression, borderline personality disorder, and PTSD. Mm-hmm. The prosecution obviously disputed these and mentioned that despite Lisa's childhood and mental illness, she murdered Bobby in a methodical and calculated manner. Furthermore, her husband, Kevin Montgomery, was actually filing for child custody. So they implied that she kidnapped the baby because she was afraid that he might use the fake pregnancies against her in the custody hearing. Wow. Yeah. Um... So the thing is, right, um, this background that I got about her, um, I got it from the Cornell Center on the Death Penalty Worldwide, which is basically an organization that defends those on death row. Mm -hmm. So the reason why she's there is because on October 22nd, 2007, after five hours of deliberation, the jury found Lisa guilty of kidnapping leading to death and recommended that she be put on death row. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So on April 4, 2008, she was officially sentenced to death. So basically, um, this organization is sort of... It, what it does is they, they, they sort of dissect and break down about the death penalty and they argue for, some, for death row inmates to be absolved of the death penalty you know Mm -hmm. and the thing the thing that makes this case like very interesting and one of the reasons why it appeared on Straits Times today is the fact that Lisa is currently the only woman on death row and she's the first woman to be executed in over 70 years the last being Bonnie Heady in 1953 who was put to death in a gas chamber in misery. Wow. Gas chamber. Yeah. And on October 6, 2020, so this is this year, okay, the Department of Justice announced that she will be executed by lethal injection on December 8, mm. 2020 at U.S. Penitentiary Terre Haute, Indiana. But right now, and this is because of like, the COVID situation, her execution has been rescheduled to January 12, 2021. So if you actually go um, to the Cornell Center on the Death Penalty Worldwide that um, page, they basically detail her case about like her background, the mental illness and everything, and basically like on which parts the prosecution like sort of like um like their gaps in their their, their arguments and stuff like that. And basically, they're arguing, you know, to to remove her from the death penalty. And, yeah. So, an update on the baby. <laughs> so, after, like, she got arrested, the baby was actually reunited with her father. And he renamed her to Victoria Joe. And even though she was a premature baby, she was eight months. Um, and, like, she went through something very traumatic. 
she did really well and she, her father calls her a miracle mm. so yeah so this is the story of Bobby Joe's murder and I guess in a way the not really the trial but like the sentencing is still ongoing so I mean I'm not here to debate on whether she you know this background or whatever affected her or whatever but I'm just I'm not a fan of the death penalty and I just hope you know that she wouldn't be the second woman to get executed quite interesting that so few women that was on death row yeah hmm Precisely. Um, there's also this argument talking about how like there are more serious, like there are worse crimes out there and not everyone gets the death penalty mm, true. for it. Yeah. And like the the thing about this is, is the fact that um she has the psychiatrist to prove mm. that she has all these mental illnesses and this background and stuff like that. And usually those things are taken into account, you know? So, I find it quite interesting how she still got the death penalty. And it doesn't look like it's going to be overturned anytime soon. Mm. Unless, like, a miracle happens and before January 20... I mean, January 12th, she... I mean, yeah. unless some, someone pardons her or something. But... Yeah, unless someone pardons yeah. her, but... Mm. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Yep. It's hard to say. Yeah, yeah but I actually saw a, saw a similar case where a woman's child was, like, ripped out from, like... Yeah, like, it's similar to this one. Like, a baby was ripped out from the mother. And then, because mm. the person oh didn't know how to take out the child properly... The child, the baby, ended up having like knife wounds on its on like their back. Oh my god! No, you're kidding. But the baby survived. The baby's healthy. It's just that probably it's probably gonna have like you know marks on its back from what that person did. Still. Oh dear God. Yeah. It's, Poor babies. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing about Bobby Joe's murder is the fact that. I mean the the the, the, sad, the the heartbreaking thing about it is the fact that she was actually a very well liked person. Like people described her as very like sweet and caring. And even during her memorial service, like over four hundred people came. Damn. Nice story though. Thank you, Chris. Why are you acting so You're shy? Welcome. <laughs> Don't be gross. <laughs> actually, no. Thank you to Straits Time. <laughs> thank you, Straits Time. <laughs> Whoever that intern was that um tweeted it. Thank you. <laughs> My story today is one that Chris loves. Aliens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know when this became a thing. Oh, so your Acorn story. But yes, I, I love aliens. Yes, it was Acorn. Acorn was a catalyst. I dream about him at night. He's just... Come and take me, sir. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> TMI. <laughs> okay, so my story is about an apple farmer who was abducted by aliens. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is so up, Chris Ellie. I swear. I'm dead. I- I'm alive and I'm dead. <laughs> okay I love it when it comes to like paranormal alien stories like we can actually laugh about it <laughs> but crime stories is like we can't <laughs> that's true okay tell me about this apple farmer yeah. so the farmer is a Japanese man and his name is Kimura Akinori born 8 November 1949 and is now 71 years old Oh, he's back. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> when he was 35, he had been... Sh- there was a time when he was struggling to grow apples. And the type of apples that he was trying to grow was apples without the use of pesticides, 
which is actually very hard. It's a oh. very hard thing to do and was ridiculed for trying. So, so he was pioneering organic apples. Yeah, he was planning to do all natural farming. And ridiculed for yeah. it. You know what? He can go and look at all those people who laughed at him and be like, people are into organic apples now, dude. No, but in general, like around the world, it's, it's almost impossible to grow organic apples. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently. So. Well, he's still a pioneer. We <laughs> thank you, sir, for your service. So, yeah. And then one day when he was preparing to go back home, it was dark and in the narrow road like of his like, farmlands. And then he saw two shadowy beings. <laughs> At first, he okay. thought it was just small kids wearing all black and playing around. But then, as he looked at them more, he realized that they weren't human. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> These beings didn't have a nose, mouth, or ears, but they had a bright light shining from them. Hmm. So he got scared and he tried to okay. run away. Okay. But the being the beings quickly moved towards Kimura. Oh god, okay. And they communicated directly to his brain, saying, We are not here to harm you. Oh <laughs> Telepathy. Throw so back to the Allegash abductions and yeah, their telepathic um communication methods. Gotta love aliens, man. And right at that moment, they disappeared without a trace. Ooh. Yeah, and this is where he th- he was convinced that they weren't human and that they were probably aliens. I mean... <laughs> yeah, so this would be his first encounter with aliens and he actually met them a second time. And this second encounter is quite interesting. Oh! What is the second encounter? So when he was four... He was when he was forty years old. It was a day before he was supposed to appear on a TV show. So at midnight, he mm-hmm. suddenly woke up, and the window he thought he locked up suddenly opened, and outside the window were the beings Kimura saw when he was thirty-five, and they were floating in the air. Wait, so he was supposed to appear on a TV show because of his abductions? Is it? No, I don't think so. I think it's because of like... It's either that or, or because of his organic apple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, he's Chris known for his apples so and aliens. Yeah. I just... Chris is genuinely into this, you know. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> listening to this, trying to understand Chris's perspective. Like, Wow. <laughs> Sorry, it's just this man is just trying to grow organic apples, and then a bunch of aliens are like <laughs> gonna beam you up. <laughs> and then he's like, I finally get to go on TV, and then the aliens are like, You thought? Oh my god, I'm sorry, I'm enjoying this a lot. So the beings that were outside the window and floating in the air made their way inside and grabbed him and brought him out the window and went up into the night sky. Oh, okay. Oh my god, Chris, you're gonna love this part, man. Okay, I'm so excited. So Tell me. He was sucked up into a warm, bright light and he later found himself in a bright room. He was made to sit on a bench. And on that bench, there seemed to be like other people, or at least they looked human to him. And they were a white woman and a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why did you say it like that? <laughs> I knew Chris was going to react here, so. <laughs> <laughs> That made me say it like that. <laughs> okay. I'm just imagining that it could be Acorn. <laughs> oh, help me. God, help me. Yes, he traveled to Was Japan. He attractive... And he picked up an apple farmer. Was he an attractive older alien man? <laughs> I mean, probably Kimura okay, wasn't okay. interested, so he didn't specify. 
help. <laughs> okay, on that carry on. <laughs> so, the people were ordered to go outside of the room, and Kimura was the last one left in the room, but he was also brought out of the room by the aliens. And then he saw the two white people, and they were on the table being examined by the aliens. And he was just there watching this happen. Uh, Kimura got special treatment. He was brought to the operations room. And there, he learned how the UFO was operated and the type of technologies that aliens had. Damn. (laughs) Is it because they wanted his organic apples? Yeah, so the, the white people were like lab rats to aliens, but <laughs> the farmer <laughs> was worthy enough to be taught how Dude, it's just... moves. Okay, so moral story, guys. If you want to avoid being um, examined by aliens, just be Asian. Just be an old Japanese apple farmer. He was 40. He's not that old. <laughs> be a middle-aged Japanese organic apple farmer. That's it. That's how you survive an alien abduction attempt. Oh my god. So after this event, he was brought back to Earth safely. (laughs) And Kimura thought that no one would believe what he experienced and he did not say anything. Oh, okay. (laughs) But later on, one day, when he was watching TV, there was a program that was exploring if aliens really existed. And in the show... Mm -hmm. He saw the same white woman that was on the, that was in the, UF, the UFO when he was there. And she had been recounting her experience. And it was the same experience that Kimura had when he was in the UFO. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was then convinced that, you know, what he experienced was not a dream. <laughs> it was only just... Oh my god, help me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very invested. I just, I want to know about his apples. Indeed. <laughs> Did he give some to the aliens? I need to know everything. I mean, this is pretty much it with his alien encounters. And he also has other encounters with other mystical beings like dragons and dead and like ghosts. Where the hell did this dragon come from? <laughs> so you're telling me... That this guy is actually the main character in a fantasy anime. <laughs> yes, he's on a mission. He is. Yeah, but you know, while he's known for meeting aliens, his work with Apples is actually quite successful and quite important. <laughs> oh my god. It's the Apples. No, but the reason why... The reason why he wanted to create pesticide-free Apples is actually quite wholesome. Okay. Because when he was, he was an apple farmer, and he, he was creating apples with pesticides earlier. But he saw how the overuse of like pesticides was making his wife very ill. Oh. Yeah. So when she really like couldn't get get out of bed, when she was really ill, he made it a mission to use natural means to grow apples. Oh. Okay. That's yeah. Awesome. But then when that he started awesome. to reduce. When he re- started to reduce the amount of fertilizers, he saw that the apples were growing smaller and eventually there were no more apples. Oh, no. And the trees were riddled oh. with pests and they had a lot of diseases. And the farm was the main source of oh. income for the family and without the, amp- the apples, they of course like had no income. Mm. Yeah, so the family mm. fall into debt and he had to work other odd jobs to make ends meet. And yeah, they were struggling quite quite badly but and after all the failures and the pain he was causing his family one night he took a rope to go hang himself in the mountain oh no yeah so when he was looking for a suitable tree to like hang the rope he chanced upon a tree with fruits on it and he thought those fruits were apples but you know as he was but later on the tree was actually a walnut tree but in the dark it was round so he thought it was apples so (laughs) He saw that the tree had no insects and it was like really healthy. So he he was surprised and it made him want to know 
how it was growing so well. So that motivated him. And it's thanks to that walnut tree Aww. that stopped him from committing suicide. Oh, thank you, walnut tree. Yeah, actually, yeah, his work on natural farming had an impact globally as well. And his wow. natural farming system was certified by Globally Important Agricultural Heritage Systems of Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. That is okay. a mouthful, but one long ass name. Yeah, he yeah he wrote a book about his his miracle apples and all the chance encounters of all these beings. <laughs> oh, what's the book title? How to grow organic apples and meet aliens and escape being experimented on by aliens. Yeah, the book cover is him holding apples, and it's actually quite cute. Wait, let me show you. Oh, I'm just imagining this cute old man. I think it's quite close to what you think. One of my weaknesses is Is there an actual picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, let me find. Okay. I think he might have been abducted by the greys. <laughs> Why? With the way he is, like, describing them. It could possibly be the greys. Don't ask me why I'm so fascinated with <laughs> grey aliens. Uh, yeah, you know the book actually turned into a movie, minus the aliens. Huh? So the Wait, whole, the, no, you can't just... The wholesome part was made into a movie. You can't just take this guy's story without the aliens and the dragons. <laughs> I'm upset. Yeah, this is him. Can you Wait, can you see? Oh my god, he's a wholesome Oh my god, I can't man. see because I'm on the meat. <laughs> Can you see okay, the group I'll chat? See, oh my god, so sad. <laughs> yes. Okay, no wonder the aliens didn't experiment on him. He just looks like a wholesome. But when he was 40, are you sure he'll look that wholesome? <laughs> I, I, I guess he looks wholesome anyway. But yeah, when I was reading the his apple farming part, it, it was like quite nice to see. Because he really realized what was wrong and how like normal farming was. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I think it really, like reading it, it reminds me that, you know, we, that humans don't really understand nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, neither do those aliens <laughs> because they um decided to experiment on people. <laughs> we don't really understand human nature. Yeah, he does. He actually did a TED talk in Japan about growing oh. um <laughs> growing apples organically. Honda, I just love how your story <laughs> went from hey, this is apple farmer guy who got abducted by aliens and he also may have met with dragons but here's also everything he did about apples <laughs> <laughs> so he had two miracles one is creating organic apples and one meeting aliens and being meeting aliens and being taught how and- to <laughs> work and fly the UFO, UFO. <laughs> Oh, but apparently in another story of his, he was shown, like, the doomsday of Earth. And how the Earth will end. But he didn't reveal what day or, like, when or, like, how. Okay. Okay, so what you're telling us (laughs) is that, um, the end day... The information about it is in the hands of <laughs> an organic apple farmer mm-hmm. who met aliens and dragons. And he's not going to release this information to anyone. But apparently it's like okay. soon. Not very soon, but like not far off, you know. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you and say that like every church have like everyone's been saying that the end days is coming anyway (laughs) so (laughs) I would take it with a grain of salt (laughs) it's like every year every new year's 
day, right? Like the service will be like, the end days are coming soon. We must be prepared. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm not even prepared for when school is about to start. Mm-hmm. What makes yeah, you think exactly. I'm going to be prepared for the end of the world? <laughs> school is starting. I feel like kids will be prepared more for the end of the world than school start, to be honest. <laughs> True. True. I'm just thinking about like the number of cans of food I need to buy in order to put in like our like bomb shelter. Mm. End of the world. Do you think zombies will be able to enter a bomb shelter? I don't think so. I mean, it depends on how if if they can work their hands. It depends if they can work on their hands. If they can like turn. Okay, to be honest, I never understood like movie zombies because uh, yeah. zombies <laughs> are basically undead, right? They're rotting. So they should have no strength. Yeah, precisely. Like if and some I movies they run so them, fast. Yeah. Precisely. They've got nothing. Literally. Like World War Z, they run like no tomorrow. Uh, that's why I'm like that's not really but gonna I think, happen. Uh, mm. Walking Dead is quite not accurate, but like a bit more realistic. Because mm. they're just walking, and then you can see like their limbs almost gonna fall off. That kind of <laughs> precisely. I don't understand why people keep dying. Just whack them, bro. <laughs> whack them. The limbs are falling off anyway. But didn't you say like? Didn't oh, you no. tell me that you will be the first to die in a zombie apocalypse? Yeah, I would. Yeah, she probably would. I have. She wouldn't even bother to run and be like. I have. Yeah, she just. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Just take. I'm the sacrificial lamb. Remember that. Stop. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Honda, for the story about apples. (laughs) (laughs) And aliens. One day you should really tell us about the dragon, though. I'm intrigued. One day if I get the Tell book. me. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HAU Podcast. Show us a message or send us stories if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongus at gmail.com. Thank you and see you guys next week for our Christmas special episode. And also my last episode, actually, for this year. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you. We'll see you. Have a great holiday, guys. Mm-hmm. Bye. 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 Look out for um if you if you own an organic apple farm, look out for aliens. <laughs>